Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates, Send in the Clowns, The Phoenix Tube Company, CelebrityTrips.com, The Law Firm of Decalator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and Relish Restaurant of Kings Park. Here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. Joining us now is a man whose name will instantly bring a smile to anyone who is 45 years or older. He is widely known for his portrayal of Robin, the sidekick of Batman played by Adam West in the television series Batman from 1966 to 1968. In 1994, he and his wife founded a charitable organization called Gentle Giants Rescue and Adoptions, which rescues giant breed dogs such as Great Danes and some smaller breed dogs as well. Their work with the organization has been featured in such outlets as People Magazine, ASPCA Animal Watch, Hard Copy, Inside Edition, and Entertainment Tonight. Over 10 years, AJ and I have had the opportunity to interview lots of our childhood heroes. This is a first as we get to interview one of our childhood superheroes. It is an absolute pleasure to welcome Bert Ward to WLIE Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Bert. Hello, citizens. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, now, you see, I, I, told, wow. I told you I saw somebody climbing up the side of the building before we started this. So, so wait a minute. I guess the you know, you open with hello, citizens. Are you on the bat phone right now? Uh, well, I, I'm, no, I'm not on the bat phone. That's uh, exclusively in Wayne Manor. <laughs> but I am on uh, on a cell phone, a bat cell phone. A bat cell phone. Okay, great. All right. So, you know, it's interesting to me that the fictional Dick Grayson was the youngest in the family of acrobats known as the Flying Graysons. Your father, Bert Sr., was the open, uh, owner of a traveling ice show called Rhapsody on Ice, which featured 11 championship skaters, including the, the legendary Mabel Fairbanks, which, interestingly enough, was the coach of one of our former guests, Ty Babylonia, um, Randy Gardner, Tiffany Chin, Christy Yamaguchi, and Scott Hamilton, among, among countless others. At age two, you make your debut, and you're listed in the magazine, strange as it seems, as the world's youngest professional ice skater. What do you remember most about those ice shows and the whole vibe around them? Well, first of all, I guess my father had a work ethic that he thought kids should start working at age two. Now, <laughs> I might take exception to that, but in my case, I worked. And uh, what I remember very distinctly is that my father, his show, Rhapsody on Ice, was really the, the precursor to ice capades. And uh, we, I remember that the I would come out with, a, on either hand, a professional skater that skated me around, like in the center, walking around, I mean, skating around this huge rink. I mean, with probably, I don't know, these were ten to 15,000-seat arenas. And then everybody would clap that, you know, a little two-year-old could even stand on ice. But then, after going around, they would let me go, and then I would skate around by myself, and it almost like brought the house down. Nobody could believe that a two-year-old could stay, skate forwards, backwards. I didn't do any flips or anything, but still, for a two-year-old child, that was considered unbelievable. Now, you excelled in high school sports, such as football, track, wrestling. You earned a black belt in taekwondo. At the age of 19, you auditioned for the role of Robin. Now, growing up, you're an avid reader of comic books such as Superman and Superboy. You enjoyed the uh, action-adventure show Adventures of Superman. So I'm wondering how much of that, the athletic background and the knowledge of the superhero genre, give you the edge at that audition, as I saw some of the footage of the audition, which includes karate. Yes, well, it, actually, 
uh, it was a huge help because in, uh, when, in back in those days in 1965, karate had only been introduced into the United States in 1959 in a very limited way. So most people didn't even know what it was. And uh, I was very fortunate because not only had I studied, but also where I lived, I lived in the same condominium complex as another famous martial artist named Bruce Lee. And uh, (laughs) Bruce Lee's, in fact, a piece of trivia, um, Bruce Lee's first filmed fight scene of his career on film was fighting me. And he and I used to spar together which is a, a form of fighting. You don't, you do pull the punches, but you, you hit hard. You know, you get bruised up pretty easy. But uh, so it was a great experience, and he was a terrific guy. We were also personal friends. And uh, for me, uh, you know, doing the part of Robin was a fantastic opportunity. It was a, a dangerous show to make, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun riding in the Batmobile, climbing walls, fighting heinous villains. I love the fight scene. That was, you know, even though I had a stuntman, who um, he rarely worked, and the reason why is because he didn't look like me, which drove me crazy because I'd have to do some of these shots involving explosions, and while he was drinking coffee with Adam West, I'd be on the way to the emergency (laughs) hospital to get patched up from second and third degree burns. So, you know, it was not all a bowl of cherries on Batman, but it was a lot of fun, and people around the world loved our show. We're talking you know, to Burt Ward, the original Robin, the, the, the me, the only Robin uh, from the 1966 through 68 Batman series. You know, we'll start talking more about the show itself. Let's talk about the screen test for a second, in which you finally got the role auditioning with Adam West. One of the things about the show that made it so popular, I think still makes it popular today, when it's on channels like MeTV, which we see it on every now and then here in New York, uh, was it was sort of campy. You know, it was played for sort fun. Sort of? Well, it was very campy. <laughs> right. And it was played for fun. When you did the screen test, did they say we're playing this for fun, or did you think you had to play it very, very straight? Well, first of all, uh, I, when I did the screen test, I had no idea what I was trying out for. I simply had gotten a call from some agents to say, hey, something's going over on at 20th Century Fox. Go over there and meet somebody. And I met this casting director. And he said, would you like to meet the executive producer? And I said, sure. I figured everybody got to meet the executive producer. Well, that's not true. I met the executive producer, and the first thing he said, he looked at me and said, well, you're kind of big for this part. I said, oh, I promise you, sir, I won't grow anymore. And he laughed. <laughs> and, you know, I, 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 I'm kind of a you know, right-in-your-face kind of guy, and he liked that. And he asked me what I like to do a screen test. I said, sure. I figured everybody got to do a screen test. Well, that's not true either. But I did do the screen test, and at the screen test, uh, first of all, I found out there was 1,100 young guys that had been interviewed for this role. 1,100. That's pretty, pretty steep competition. And they had done a national search. But at the screen test, I, uh, I sat down with the gentleman I was going to screen test with. His name was Adam West. And in the first five minutes of talking to that man, the two of us were laughing and for more than 50 years, we never stopped laughing when we talked to each other. We just had the best time, the greatest guy in the world. But, I, you know, I, I did this dialogue. It, it, they handed me a, a script, and all it said was Bruce and Dick. I mean, so I had some lines. I did my lines. I said, thank you very much. I'm ready to leave. And I said, wait a minute. We're not done with you. You need to go over to that trailer over there. And they got a couple of wardrobe guys who are going to help you get dressed. I said, well, wait a minute. I, I don't need any help getting dressed. I'm perfectly capable of doing it myself. 
They say, oh, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. You go over there. So I go in the dressing room, and sure enough, here are these guys, and they got this, like, a giant bed, and the entire thing was covered with all kinds of parts of tights and boots and T-shirts and vests and, I mean, a ton of stuff. I said, am I going to put some of this on? They said, no, you're going to put all of it on. (laughs) I put this thing on, the most uncomfortable thing in my entire life. As I, I, I could barely walk. As I was stepping out of that dressing room, I said to myself, thank God I'll do this screen test, and in 10 or 15 minutes from now, I'll never have to put that thing on again. Well, guess what? I was wrong. <laughs> so for three years, 120 episodes, six days a week, to make each episode, I wore that costume as much as 14 hours a day. Wow. Yeah, what was it? When you put that costume on for the very first time, and you walk in front of a mirror, What's what's the first thing that popped into your head? I didn't know what this was about. You have to understand. I, we had uh, Superman comic books where I grew up. There was no such thing as a Batman comic book. So I didn't know. I couldn't tell. I, I didn't even think this was a superhero. I thought this was some kind of Shakespearean thing. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're talking to Burt Ward, the original Robin on the 1966 Batman series. You know, at the height of the series' popularity, you record several musical tracks under the production of Frank Zappa. The first two, Boy Wonder, I Love You, which Frank Zappa wrote. And maybe, you know, I am a child. Uh, AJ's more a child of the 60s. I, I was yeah. born in 1960. I think I was too young to do the drugs that would be needed to understand what the hell Orange Colored Sky was about. You know, how did those two songs come about, and what was it like working with Frank Zappa back then? Well, actually, Frank Zappa didn't write that song called Boy Wonder I Love You. It was I combined about a dozen fan letters, that actual fan letters, to make that song. <laughs> and uh, that, uh, you know, he, he, put, he created the music for it, and his group, the Mothers of Invention, and let me tell you, were they opposite to me? My gosh, these guys were, they didn't look like all-American apple pie like I did. I mean, and these guys would come out and play their instruments, and they'd break them apart on the, on, the, on, the, on the stage. I mean, just crazy guys, but they were very talented. And working with Frank Zappa, as wild as he looked, let me tell you, the guy was a brilliant musician, and, you know, the University of, of, uh, of Columbia University trained, brilliant musician, and he knew what he was doing. So it was a lot of fun doing it, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I wasn't too fond of the singing, but uh, MGM convinced me with a lot of money, you got to do it just for us. You know? So I said, all right. Now, AJ and I were talking about this before we went on the air, and I've been watching, I've been binge-watching all the shows all over again. You look at the list of the 37 actors and actresses who played villains on the original Batman series. It's really impressive. Uh, one of the ones that, for some reason, I don't remember as a kid, and I, I had to go back and watch it today, was Milton Berle. And I don't as, know why I do remember that episode. That episode. And, yeah. you know, who... Yeah, he played Louis the Lilac. Right. Right. Which is, who was your favorite actor to work with as a villain and why? Listen, I didn't have a single favorite. You have to understand, every one of these people was a star in and of themselves. These are people that I grew up when I was a child, watching them either in movies or on television. So for me, every one of them was a thrill to work with. I remember in one case when Vincent Price 
played Egghead, when he first came on the set, I remember being scared to death as a kid watching one of his movies. So I had a moment of, of fear, but then he turned out to be a really nice man. So for me, I was like the kid in the candy store. It was a lot of fun. So we, we had a discussion. Who was your favorite villain of us, of three of them, Penguin, Joker, or Riddler, in terms of the actors played on the show? Of those three, in terms of the roles, which was your favorite? Well, you, you, you know, listen, everyone did their job terrifically. I mean, Frank Gorshin with a rubber face, he was marvelous as, as you know, as Riddler. And, and Cesar Romero with that unbelievable laugh and, and the grandeur with which, what an amazing actor. He was fantastic. And Burgess Meredith, one of the greatest actors of all time. You know, I mean, he was, uh, you know, he played the, the, the coach in, in Rocky movies. I mean, this guy was a fabulous penguin. I can't pick a favorite. They, they, every one of these was an A+. And I'm sure you can't pick a favorite episode either. For me, I remember distinctly as a six and seven and eight-year-old playing outside with my friend Jeff Cohn, and, and we watched the, the premiere together. I remember that. But the biggest one for us, and I don't even know why, it's still so vivid in my memory, like it was, it was the biggest thing in the world that the Green Hornet and Kato were going to be on Batman, and plus the fact it was like to us it was the first crossover ever, and you know every Batman was a cliffhanger too, so you would be out, you know, yeah. I, it, it was it was incredible too. It was like it was like drug addicts. We were drug addicts for Batman at six and seven eight years old. <laughs> Do you have a favorite movie. episode at all? No, can I tell you? Every one was amazing and different. I mean, you know, there was one episode where Penguin is driving a gold tank, and I used the Batzooka and, and from the Batmobile to stop that tank. I mean, who would have thought of these things? And, of course, we had our Batman movie. It was terrific, too, four villains that we, we fought against. It, it, the whole thing was bigger than life. You know, there is a sports tie-in tape. I actually watched one today, okay. all right, where there was a boxing match at Gotham Square Garden, but Joan right. Collins disabled the three boxes, one of which was Jerry Quarry, believe it or not. Okay. So that was very cool. That was a tie-in. Um, so the interesting thing is, one of the things that um, you look at all the success of the Marvel films, in which Stanley makes a cameo in every single one, the DC shows like Smallville, Arrow, Supergirl, all of those shows have included former incarnations of characters in the shows. I do know that Holy Rusted Metal made it into Batman Forever, um, was a tribute to the TV show. I'm wondering if any of the Batman films or even Gotham have contacted you for maybe a, a cameo. Uh, no, not a cameo. I'm starring along with Adam West in a recently released animated feature, Batman Return of the Cape Crusaders from Warner Brothers, a full-length feature. We have a second full-length feature coming out before the end of the year because the, the reviews were so spectacular on the first one. And this new one coming out with both Adam and I did complete uh, has a whole host of villains on it. And the lead villain that we're fighting is Two-Face, portrayed by none other than William Shatner. Wow. So here you've got the two most iconic television shows in history, Batman and Star Trek, with the actors working together. Wow. That, you know, and the thing is, you take a look at those two series ran for three years, but yet right. conventions year after year are filled right. with those two shows yeah. only. You know, we mentioned The Holy, okay? Right. There were 367 holies that you uttered in the TV show, including Holy Bill of Rights, Holy Fourth Amendment, Holy Romeo and Juliet, Holy Ravioli, those are some of my no, favorites, wait, no, AJ. I, I, I like 
wholly astringent plum-like fruit. <laughs> I like uh, holy well, hole in the donut. Actually, when you count the Batman movie, there were more than 400. Uh, right. So what are the ones? Holy bouncing boilerplate. Mm -hmm. uh, holy priceless co collection of Etruscan snoods. So I guess the question oh, AJ yeah. and I have... Some of these were real tongue twisters. Right. right. But are any real. were any of those ad-libbed, or were they all, every single one of those scripted? Oh, we got to, we could rewrite them if, if they didn't make sense. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait, wait, if they didn't make sense. Snooze, how did that one come up? <laughs> oh, boy. Because everything that Robin said had to be in relation to something happening. Right. Okay. You know, when we were in a spaghetti factory, I remember I had a line, Holy ravioli, Batman. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's unbelievable. Everything yep. had to make sense. One month ago today, we lost Adam West. Your on-screen and off-screen antics together are well-documented in your book, Boy Wonder, My Life in Tights. You also said in a statement on his passing, I am devastated at the loss of one of my very dearest friends, Adam, and I had a special relationship for more than 50 years. We shared some of the most fun times of our lives together. Our families have deep love and respect for each other. This is a terrible, unexpected loss of my lifelong friend. I will forever miss him. There are several fine actors who have portrayed Batman in films. In my eyes, there is only one real Batman, and that is and will always be Adam West. He truly is the bright knight. What made our relationship so special that it endured, what made your relationship so special that it endured over 50 years, and what is your favorite Adam West story? Well, I I've got about 10,000 favorite <laughs> Adam West stories, but let me tell you, I, as I said in the beginning of our interview, yeah. within the first five minutes of talking with him, there was a special chemistry his sense of humor, my sense of humor, and you know something? We use that on Batman, because if you think about it, why was Batman such a huge hit, and why was it so different from every other television show in history? And the answer is because we were the first show in television history to play with our audience, to taunt, tease, put on, whatever you want to call it, where we camp-styled stuff, and for kids, they took it as serious hero worship. For the adults, it was the nostalgia of the comic book. For the teenagers and the college kids, it was the innuendo, double meanings, insinuations, you know, sometimes sexual suggestions, all of this stuff together, and it was something for everybody. And nobody had ever taunted and played with an audience like we did in Batman. Yeah, Lee Merriweather yep. and Yvonne Craig didn't hurt either. Right. <laughs> you know, one, one question I have is before we get to one last thing. It's almost, well, 22 years ago now, you wrote the book Boy Wonder, My Life in Tights, and talked really about the inside and some of the, uh, uh, well, unusual things that happened as you made the show. What made you decide to write the book, and have you had any reaction, anybody talk to you about that book since the last, you know, the last 20 years? Oh, my God. Is the Pope Catholic? I mean, I mean first of all, the, re the reason I wrote the book is that when I would go out and make appearances, and, you know, I'm a friendly guy. I'm talking to people. One thing leads to another, and you start telling stories, and people say, oh, my God, why don't you put a book out? That was such an amazing story, this and that, so many different things, how dangerous it was on Batman, all the, the, the stuff. So I finally said, okay, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, you know. And, uh, and I put a book out, and I, I've had a, a, you know, a, a tremendous variance in reactions. Most people who read my book say, you know, once I got over the shock of what I was reading, I loved it. But the initial shock was, you know, got me. So, so it, I, I, I think it was, uh, 
it, it was a wild and crazy period. This is the 60s. This is a period of free love and, and all the kinds of thing, things that, uh, you know, will never be probably in our history again. But it was a different time period. And for me, it was a growing up. I was a kid when I came on Batman. And, and when I finished, I became an adult. You know, it's interesting. That book was released uh, yeah. tw- 22, 22 years, years ago. 22 years yeah, ago. I think, you know, you should speak to your agent, and he should circulate that because they do all these different miniseries, like especially on yeah. Netflix. That book, and especially in that time period, because everyone loves to go back and, and recreate the 60s. If you did that as a miniseries, I think people would be eat that up. a little too raw. That would have to be something like, you know, Showtime Netflix. X-rated. Netflix. Or, you know. It doesn't matter. Well, uh, we'd have to tone it down a little yeah. bit or, or make it a more Batman-style uh, well, actually, uh, the book was very Batman style. Right. There was a lot of stuff in there, but it was also done with an edge where you couldn't really tell if I was putting on the reader or not. I think it would and be so, awesome. <laughs> it would yeah. be and, very and the, cool. It was a lot of fun, and it was wild and crazy. Lastly, you have gone from Cape Crusader to Canine Crusader, as you and your wife, Tracy, for the last 22 years have saved the lives of 16,000 dogs at your Gentle Giants Rescue in California. Gentle Giants Rescue is the world's largest big dog rescue. Can you tell a little, our audience a little bit about it, and where's the best place they can find out about it? Well, first of all, we, you know, my, this is a charity. We're an IRS-licensed charity, no different than Muscular Dystrophy or United Way or, or March of Dimes. It's called Gentle Giants Rescue and Adoptions. 23 years saving dogs' lives. My wife and I take nothing from it. This is pure charity. We pay for everything. We have food, shelter, medical care, and every single dog we rescued uh, was on their last day before they were put down at an animal shelter. We saved every life, and we found everyone a safe, loving home. What's really important for your listeners is the fact in the course of saving so many lives and caring for these dogs, I've got more than 50 living in my house at all times, okay? Wow. That caring for these dogs, my wife and I discovered a way to double and in some cases triple the lifespan of dogs. We have dogs not just big dogs, little dogs, all sizes, all breeds, living as long as 27 healthy, active years. No one in the world, to our knowledge, has done even half of that. And they can go to our Facebook page, and your your viewers, listeners, Gentle Giants, Dog Food and Products, read about our food called Gentle Giants, which is the food that we've got dogs living as long as 27 years different from every other food sold. There's no food in the world like it. And read about how we feed and care for dogs. We take nothing from this dog food. We, and, and we take nothing from, from the feeding and care. Plus, on our Facebook page, people write in hundreds a day. Every correspondence is answered in detail. And we help people for free. It's our charity. Gentle Giants, is the name of this food. There's none other like it. And in fact, because we take nothing from it, I mean it, not a penny, that our food actually sells for half the price of regular dog food, but our motto is half the price and twice the life. Dogs eating this food are living into their late 20s. In fact, if you guys come out to California, you come to our rescue, I'll introduce you right now. we got 24 dogs in our rescue that have already lived more than twice their normal lifespan. And we're extended lifespan. Giant is in retail stores. (laughs) It's also online on Amazon.com, Walmart.com. 
Chewy.com and PetSmart.com. We take nothing from it. It is all about loving animals and doing something, giving back. I've had a wonderful success in my life, and I, I was the Cape Crusader, and now I am the Canine Crusader. You know, okay. speaking as someone who's got a uh, 11 and a 9 year old dog, I am definitely going to check yeah. that out yeah, tonight. And because, as someone uh, who's got a puppy now, who right. lost two dogs in the past year, I'm going to check that out. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'll I'll, I'll perk your ears. Okay. One of the things. <laughs> there's many, but one of the things that makes our gentle giant dog food different than any other in the world is the fact that we don't add extra fat into the food as other dog food companies do because that makes pe- makes dogs hungrier and makes people have to buy more dog food. Unfortunately, if you look in the back of any bag of dog food, by federal law, is a chart called guaranteed yeah. analysis. First item is protein, second is crude fat. No matter the cheapest food in a grocery store or the most expensive in a pet store, you're going to see that massive amounts of fat have been added to dog food, and it will show a crude fat of 12 to 22%. Ours, without any fat added, is only 9%. And if you've ever felt dog food on the outside, that greasy feel, that is what is killing dogs prematurely. And if you wouldn't take bacon grease and pour it down your garbage disposal because you know it would ruin it, why would anybody feed a dog a food that every single kibble is encapsulated in grease. We don't do it. We're all about life, not about money. Bert, we really appreciate it. Uh, this was a thrill for AJ and I. Like I said, we've interviewed a lot of our childhood heroes. You are the first childhood superhero. So, uh, holy thank you from both of us. Well, I want to tell you that all of you have excellent taste to enjoy <laughs> Batman as you have. Okay. Thank so, you. Wonderful good taste on your part. Thank you. you. Burt Ward, the boy wonder, Robin, and the founder of Gentle Giants.